Hey guys, this is STFU, which uh, in my normal life would stand for Shut the Fuck Up, but in this instance, it stands for Stories, Truths, Feelings, Uncensored. Strap in, fuckers. It's going to be a bumpy ride. What is up, guys? Episode 2, going down. I have been upgraded, motherfuckers, to my soundproof living room. Although it is soundproof, it is not life-proof. So if you hear a phone ring or a bird chirp or a dog bark, just deal with it. I'm sorry. But uh, I realize that I cannot do this episode in my car because this is legit going to be probably one of the longest episodes that I'm going to do. And I really didn't feel like having dead leg for 45 minutes after I finished, which is what I experienced after episode one. And that was only 20 minutes. So I've decided that um, I'm rather going to take a chance, do it in my TV room. My kids are not here. They are at a birthday party. So that is why I'm able to do this. And I now have wine in a glass because that takeaway cup yesterday, that has disturbed me, guys. I'm not going to lie. Tasted revolting. Anyway, let's get into it. It's Friday. Yay. Which means nothing if you're a parent. But anyway, this episode is an episode that I wasn't going to actually do uh, as one of the first episodes. It was an episode that I was going to tackle further down the line because it is quite an overwhelming topic for me. Not necessarily because it is something that I don't feel comfortable speaking about, more because there is so much to try and cover and so much that I want to say about this particular subject that I I don't actually know where to begin and end. And there is a very good chance that I could sit here and ramble on for three hours, which I'm really hoping not to do. Because I don't think even I could listen to myself for that long. Um, but this episode is about codependency. And another reason why I didn't want to do this episode so soon is because I don't think it is going to appeal to a lot of people. In that a lot of people don't even know what that word means. So they will read a title of a podcast. I know I do this. I'll read a title of an episode and if it doesn't jump out at me or if it's something that I don't necessarily think applies to me, I will not listen to that particular episode. What I want to try and get across today is that everyone I have ever come across in my adult life and even thinking back to when I was a child were either codependents or had elements of a codependent. I think that this podcast can help everyone because I'm amazing and life-changing, obviously, but also because everyone to a certain extent has codependent tendencies and that is purely because of how we were raised and the society that we grew up in and the cultural norms that we were exposed to. 
that we as a society believe that self-sacrifice is love and that self-love is selfish. And that is something that I'm going to try to explain because I know that the older generations listening to this are probably already eye-rolling their lives away. But I promise you it's real and I promise you it's something that really needs to change if we are going to see a change in the world and a change in society and the way that we treat each other and the dynamic that we see between human beings. And if we want to raise a generation that is more self-aware and has more self-worth than the current generation, this is something that we have an obligation and a responsibility to try and understand. And that is what I'm trying to do. I will say, disclaimer, I am by no means a medical professional. I am by no means giving advice. I am by no means trying to diagnose you with codependency or any other psychological disorder. My God, like the total opposite. I am... (laughs) not the person you should be taking advice from. All this is, is a normal human being's account and understanding of codependency, what it looks like in everyday life, how it has affected me and my relationships, and how I'm trying to now change a narrative that I thought for the first 30 years of my life was right, and was the only way to live. And although I am 99.9% perfect, there is this 0.1% of me that perhaps needs some work. Just kidding. So let's get into it, right? Shall we have a sip of your wine? Let's go. Right, so I did print off the internet, podcast sacrilege, I'm sorry, some notes because to try and explain codependency I will go into what I understand it to be but I feel like I need to start with the medical definition or a more in-depth and detailed definition a more comprehensive definition just so that the people who have never heard this word before can understand just have like a baseline to work from right so what is codependency it's a learned behavior that can be passed down from one generation to another. And most of the time, it is. It is an emotional and behavioral condition that affects an individual's ability to have a healthy, mutually satisfying relationship. It is also known as relationship addiction because people with codependency often form or maintain relationships that are one-sided, emotionally destructive, and or abusive. The disorder was first identified about 10 years ago as a result of years of studying interpersonal relationships in families of alcoholics. Codependent behavior is learned by watching and imitating other family members who display this type of behavior. So it says here that it was first identified 10 years ago. That doesn't mean that it wasn't around before then. It obviously just means that it wasn't well understood and it perhaps didn't have a name which explains a lot about all of the 20 and 30 year olds who are now in fucking therapy, myself included. Sorry, mom. Um, uh, Blah, 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 blah. Cool. Okay. 
Dysfunctional families do not acknowledge that the problem exists. That I don't necessarily agree with. And I will tell you why, because you have to recognize that there is a problem for you to acknowledge that it exists. And I do not think that this way of life was seen as a problem prior to this generation that is now becoming more self-aware. And so I don't think that it was identified because it was just the way that life was. As a mother, you had no identity. You were meant to live to serve your husband and live to serve your children and self-sacrifice. And your self-worth was supposed to be attached to the happiness of your husband and your children. And if it wasn't, then you were a selfish wench. So I think that is where that particular statement comes from. What I did find very interesting, and I'm going to go through this. It's a list. I hate lists. Shut up. Sorry, my laptop is shouting at me. I hate lists. Absolutely hate lists. But this list, this is pretty badass. Right. So characteristics of codependent people are bearing in mind that you don't have to have all of these. You don't have to have any of these. You might have one or two. But wherever you are, I implore you to sit the fuck down and just listen. And maybe you're not even thinking of yourself as I'm speaking. Maybe you're thinking of someone in your family. Listen to these characteristics and just say yes or no. Okay, here we go. An exaggerated sense of responsibility for the actions of others. Yes, I had that. A tendency to confuse love and pity with the tendency to love people they can pity and rescue. Yes, I had that. A tendency to do more than their share all of the time. Yes, I had that. A tendency to become hurt when people don't recognize your efforts. Absolutely had that. An unhealthy dependence on relationships. The codependent will do anything to hold on to a relationship and to avoid the feeling of abandonment. Okay, don't think I had that. An extreme need for approval and recognition. Yes. A sense of guilt when asserting themselves. A compelling need to control others. Yes, (laughs) that is so me. People call that type A personality. No, my darling, you don't have a type A personality. You're a codependent. Lack of trust in self and or others. Absolutely. Don't trust myself at all. Fear of being abandoned or alone. I have three kids. I have no fear of being alone. Difficulty identifying feelings. Rigidity or difficulty adjusting to change. Problems with intimacy or boundaries. Boundaries. That word's going to come up a lot, guys. Chronic anger. Lying or dishonesty. Poor communications. Difficulty making decisions. Okay. Right now, you're probably thinking, fuck. That's me. Or that's my mama. Or that's my boyfriend. Yeah. Okay. So even if this doesn't appeal or pertain to you as a person, it probably pertains to someone you know. And maybe you can help them. So now we go on to questionnaire to identify signs of codependency. Don't you love online questionnaires? I love them. Which Disney princess are you? 
If you were a sandwich, which sandwich would you be? I'd be a toasted cheese and tomato, by the way. Anyway, okay, so let's answer these questions. There are 20 of them. I am going to post these questions when I post this podcast, so you can go and answer them. I'm going to fly through them quickly, but just to give you an idea, right? So, do you keep quiet to avoid arguments? Are you always worried about others' opinions of you? Have you ever lived with someone with an alcohol or drug problem? Have you ever lived with someone who hits or belittles you? Are the opinions of others more important than your own? That is a big one. Do you have difficulty adjusting to changes at work or home? Do you feel rejected when significant others spend time with friends? That is a huge one. Do you doubt your ability to be who you want to be? That's a bit ambiguous. I think that's everyone. Are you uncomfortable expressing your true feelings to others? Have you ever felt inadequate? Do you feel like a bad person when you make a mistake? Do you have difficulty taking compliments or gifts? Oh my God. Do you feel humiliation when your child or spouse makes a mistake? Do you think people in your life would go downhill without your constant efforts? Obviously. Do you frequently wish someone could help you get things done? Do you have difficulty talking to people in authority, such as the police or your boss? Oh, motherfucker. Are you confused about who you are or where you're going with your life? Again, I think that's everyone, so that's a bit ambiguous. Do you have trouble saying no when asked for help? Do you have trouble asking for help? Do you have so many things going at once that you can't do justice to any of them? Oh my God. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. I'm going to have a sip of my wine because I don't know about you, but I feel attacked, y'all. Attacked. Rude. My God. Okay. When I read those, I was like, fuck you, internet. Fuck you. So that should give you a little bit more of an idea of what codependency is. Again, as I've said, it is such a broad topic that it is so difficult to try and put all of this into like one little podcast. Ah! But I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So that gives you at least more of an understanding of the, the technical side of codependency, what it is, you know, when you look at it technically. But I now want to get into real world examples, because the thing is, is that if you do Internet research, most of the articles online make it seem incredibly serious and it also makes it seem quite rare. Both are not the case. As I've said before, most adults have codependent traits or tendencies that have been instilled in us since childhood that we may not even be aware are there. I know I didn't have a clue. 18 months ago when I walked into my therapist's office and I just word vomited at her for 45 minutes, it's a poor woman, she was like, you are codependent. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I was like, no, it's independent. She was like, no, sweetheart, it's codependent. I was like, I've never heard that word in my life. And I have been researching it tirelessly. For 18 months, I watch podcasts every chance I get. I read up about it. I follow experts on Instagram who specialize in crushing and overcoming codependency. And I still don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing. And that's 18 months later. 
But I've also realized, as I said yesterday, or as I said in my first podcast, <laughs> need to get used to not referring to time, referring to episodes, my bad. Uh, as I said, this is a journey and it's the blind leading the blind. So I'm going to help you along my journey. So in my, in my words, I'd like to explain in my words what I understand a codependent to be and the way that codependency relates to me. A codependent is someone who obtains their own self-worth and their own value internally by helping, healing, saving or fixing others or at least attempting to, because just because you try doesn't mean you always will. But that is where we feel like we have a purpose, is you find someone who you think is broken. The important word here being you think is broken. Most of the time, it's someone who was perfectly fucking happy with who they were until you came along. And then you were like, oh no, Lord Jesus, thank God I came into your life. You are a hot mess, but you know what? I'm going to help you. And it's going to make me feel better about myself. That is what a codependent does. And it doesn't always have to be in a relationship. This can be in friendships. This can be the asshole in your friend group who always picks the restaurant you go to and who always books the accommodation and who tells you what you're going to eat off the menu because she's been there before and who plans all the parties and chooses all the decor that's a codependence. That is someone who feels that the value they add is in what they can do for the friendship. And someone like that, at their core, has unbelievably low self-esteem, which doesn't make sense to people. You look at a, at a codependent, you look at someone who's loud, who's bossy, who always takes charge, who is sarcastic and funny and always telling stories and is always there when you need them, can pick up the phone and always rely on them. You think that this person has their shit together. They must do. If they are helping everyone else, they must have their own shit together, surely. It's the fucking total opposite. People like that have such low self-worth that they feel that the only way that they can add value is by doing stuff for other people and they will think in the back of their minds maybe not consciously but in the back of their minds they'll think oh you know if they weren't my friend if they were to break up with me as a friend they wouldn't have me around anymore to plan all the parties and they would be like oh fuck I actually really miss having Sheena around to do all of the planning they don't miss you, they miss what you did for them. But that is how you secure your place in a relationship, whether it be a friendship or a romantic relationship or even a work relationship where you, okay, Janet, I'll do all the fucking group work. Don't worry, boss, I'll work on this over the weekend. It'll be done for you on Monday morning. Going above and beyond Look, I'm not talking about not doing your fucking job. I'm talking about doing shit that is not expected of you. Because you feel like that will make your place in the friendship or in the workplace or in your relationship irreplaceable. That will make you invaluable to the person. And all it ends up doing is you give and give and give and give until you yourself are a shell. And 
if you take away all of those things, and this is what I touched on in the first in the first episode, if you take away all of the crap that you do for everyone else, who are you? What is left? And that is the point that I reached 18 months ago, that I looked in the mirror and I didn't know who the fuck I was and what I wanted because all I'd ever done was shit for other people. And I got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And most codependents get to that point. A lot of them don't. I know people who have lived their entire lives as codependents and it fucking breaks my heart. And they die at 80 after having been married for 50 years never having ever had a fucking original thought or opinion of their own. They have a husband and four kids who are happy, but they're miserable and they died not knowing who they were or what they wanted. So a lot of people can live their entire life as a functioning codependent and they don't see a problem with it. You do you, boo-boo. I really couldn't give two fucks. Like if you love your life and you love doing everything for other people and that is what fulfills you, that's amazing. But most people reach a point where they are so filled with anger and resentment that something inside them breaks. And that's the point that I reached. And that is the point that I hope you don't reach. Maybe we can fix this shit before it breaks completely. Okay. And guess what? That's the codependent in me all wanting to help you. But here we are. And the thing with codependency, just to go back to my understanding of it, is it's kind of I'm fixed, you're broken. I'm amazing, you're not. And I am going to do you the favor of healing you and helping you and fixing you. That is codependency, which is also so arrogant. But again, it comes from a place where this person is so terrified to just say, you know what? I deserve to be in your life just because. Because I am amazing and because I deserve love and I deserve happiness and I fucking deserve to have someone love me. That's why I should be in your life. Not because I help you and because I saved you and because I fixed you and because I make your doctor's appointments and without me you don't know how to cook so you'll starve. Fuck that. This is me. And if you don't like it, fuck off. And if you don't think that I bring enough to the table for you to sit opposite me as an equal, then we are wasting each other's time. And I'll get into people saying that that's selfish because that's now now the new shit that I've got to deal with, y'all. And you'll see that when you sit firmly in your beliefs and you will not budge and you set a boundary people push back. And the only people that will push back are the people that benefit from you not having those boundaries. And you will be called selfish and you will be called self-centered. And to those people, you can tell them that I said they can go and fuck themselves. So I wanted to go into a Miles Scott quote. Guys, if you don't follow Miles Scott, please go and follow him. He is amazing. It's also quite nice to look at, but that's besides the point. M-Y-L-E-S, Miles Scott, right? So find him on Instagram. And I saw a quote of his this morning that I was like, oh my fuck, I have to use that. And it goes, the quality of our relationships with others is a direct reflection of the relationship we have with ourselves. 
the quality of our relationships with others is a direct reflection of the relationship we have with ourselves. Now that changes what most of us were taught growing up. What most of us were taught growing up is your feelings don't matter, you shut the fuck up, respect your elders, even if they're assholes, listen when people speak to you, only speak when spoken to, and your needs, your self-worth, your value come second. That is what we were taught. That is what our entire generation were taught. And it's a fuck up because it is so not how it's supposed to be. The most important relationship you will ever have, and I cannot stress this enough, is with yourself. It doesn't matter if you're a mother or a wife or a husband or a father or a teacher or a caretaker or a social worker or a doctor. I don't care how much of your time you give to other people. If your relationship with yourself isn't healthy and fulfilling, you are never going to be able to cultivate healthy and fulfilling relationships with other people. And if there is one thing that you take away from this hour of word vomit, let it be that. That a relationship with another human being, I don't give a fuck who it is, will never replace the relationship you have with yourself. And every time someone questions your morals and every time someone questions a boundary and every time someone questions a decision that you have made to better yourself, that is what you have to remind yourself. Because there will come times when you doubt yourself. There will come times where you set a boundary with a family member and an older person in your family will go, but you are family. That is not what family does to each other. And you are going to have to be strong and turn around and say, no, that is how you feel. But this is not a healthy relationship for me. And I am standing steadfast in my boundary. And if you don't appreciate it, like it or understand it, I'm not really asking for your opinion. I'm sorry you feel that way, but it doesn't change the fact that this is the boundary that I've put in place. Boom, motherfuckers. Okay, I need some wine. Man. That got intense, yo. Sorry. Oh, I need to unfold my legs. Oh, my God. Oh, where's Yogi Page? Oh, I need some yoga. My hip flexors are seizing. This is what it means to be 30-something, guys. Okay. <sighs> shit's gonna... Uh, shit's about to get real. <laughs> I'm scared for this part. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys my history. And I really struggled trying to decide whether it's relevant, whether it's fair to talk about this because it involves other people and it involves telling people parts of a story that are not mine and so I'm going to try and do this in a very fair and diplomatic way I'm going to only share the parts that pertain to me and my interpretation of the events and how they affected me I'm going to try my best not to 
judge anyone's actions and I'm going to try my best not to speak for them or put feelings or emotions or words in their mouths that were perhaps never there. But I feel like it it is important and it's going to keep coming up. I mean, a lot of my issues stem from my childhood. And as much as I would like to pretend that it's not the case, it is. So, I mean, <laughs> a saying that I say all the time that my husband loves is you can put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig, right? I mean, I can wrap this in a pretty fucking bow. It is what it is. I am my childhood and I am my history so I'm gonna embrace it which is really fucking hard so if I say um a lot um (laughs) that was not oh fuck okay anyway here we go okay more wine so I've got three sisters um I'm sure most of you know that about me if you don't I have three sisters my older sister is six years older than me her name is Tash, and my youngest sister, Jordan, is 10 years younger than me. So quite big gaps between us. We had quite an interesting dynamic growing up because, I mean, I moved out of the house when Jordan was eight. So she's pretty much been raised as, a, as an only child. And when I reached 10... My older sister had a boyfriend and she was out partying and I didn't see much of her. So, yeah, although I had two sisters, I kind of look back and feel like I was an only child. If that makes any sense. My parents were married uh, before I was born. Um, And both of my parents had affairs. I don't feel like the details are are relevant or necessary, but it is relevant and necessary to share that. My parents separated when I was six, but like whole hog, sold the house, moved into separate houses. We would see my dad every other weekend. We lived in a tiny little townhouse um, called Devon Valley in Valterfrieden Park. My mom and I shared a room and Tash had a tiny pokey little room downstairs. My dad moved into a townhouse called Bergendal in Greymont and we would go and visit him uh, every other weekend and my sister and I would share a room and they pretty much almost got divorced. It was like done and dusted and the way the story goes My dad dramatically jumped up in court on the day and went, I don't want the divorce. But now that I'm an attorney, I know that that's probably a bunch of bullshit. But be that as it may, whatever happened, they decided to try again. Um, We then bought a house. I say we like I contributed. We bought a house in Northcliffe on Norman Drive. Moved in there. And when I was 10, my mom and dad had Jordan, my little sister. Then shit gets, shit gets rough. My, my dad had an affair. My mom found out about it and confronted him about it. Um, I will at some point go into the day that I found out and 
the way that my parents addressed it with me, but I don't feel that's relevant right now. My mother could not forgive my father. Again, that's an assumption, but they did end up getting divorced. So you can assume that she was not able to forgive um, his transgression. And what happened from there? My dad moved out and moved in with a friend because he couldn't afford his own place straight away. My mom took it very hard. She did not cope very well with the um, divorce. And during the divorce, um, my mom attempted suicide. And, oh, my mouth is so dry. This is so weird. She, we went to my great-grandmother's funeral that day. So it would have been my mom's maternal grandmother. And we were in separate cars. And my mom left very abruptly and said to my dad, please, will you bring the kids home? I can't be here anymore. And she left. And my dad took us home. At that stage, Jordan, Jordan was a baby. Jordan was one. She had just started walking. And Tash was 16, 17, and I was about 11. And uh, we got home, and we walked in, and there was music blaring. And we were calling and calling and calling for my mom, and she wasn't answering. And... I will never forget it. My dad was walking first. Tash was behind him, my older sister. And then it was me. And then little Geordie was kind of toddling behind me up the up the passageway. And my dad turned into the bedroom. And he tried so desperately to stop us before we could walk in. Um, but... I saw my mom lying on the floor and she had taken quite a considerable number of sleeping tablets and muscle relaxants. She had left suicide notes. And that day was, whew, that day was very rough. It was very, very rough. And I remember my dad just saying to me take Jordan take Jordan because Jordan was toddling up to my mom and was going mommy mommy (laughs) and I just grabbed her and went to the kitchen and just kind of collapsed in a heap in the corner and I remember Geordie coming and looking very concerned and very confused and I was trying so hard to keep my shit together for her and It's so weird that in my mind, I imagine it as an adult memory, but I have to remind myself that I was 10 when this happened. 10 blows my mind. But the reason that the story is relevant, very relevant, is because my mom, in that one single act, 
And I would never blame her for this. And I know that this was so not intentional. And it was probably the last thing on her mind when she was going through whatever she was going through. But what that taught me in a single act was that you should love your partner so completely that the thought of life without them is unbearable. That she would rather leave this earth, leave her three children, rather than face life without my father. And it's a very romantic notion, isn't it? You look at Romeo and Juliet. You look at, there's so many examples in literature, in movies, in the world around us, where love is this all-encompassing, self-sacrificing, you know, just, you know, you just, you, you, you allow it to consume you, all-consuming thing. And it's, not meant to be that way that is not fucking normal guys that is not normal and it has taken me 32 odd years to fucking figure that out but that is what that taught me that taught me that if you cannot be with the person that you want to be with you might as well not even be alive and that is fucking terrifying. But that is what I was exposed to. And that is what I grew up believing to be true. And don't misunderstand me. This could be the furthest thing from my mom's truth. And this could be the furthest reason for why she actually did what she did. But I'm talking about my view of the experience and what it taught me as a very scared and very confused 10-year-old girl. And I was raised by a codependent and was exposed to a codependent relationship growing up. And so it is no surprise to me that I myself have turned out to be a high-functioning codependent. And things started to fall apart when I turned 30. And I remember going to therapy and my therapist said to me, why? Why are you trying to implode your life? Why are you acting in such a destructive manner? Why? I was doing things that I knew would implode my fucking life I honestly wanted to take a match to my life and just burn everything to the ground and she asked me the simple question why why do you think you're doing this and I couldn't answer her at the time and a while later I was sitting by myself and I was in the kitchen I'd probably had way too much wine as usual which we will also talk about my affinity for alcohol and um, I talk to myself when I'm alone hey now I can talk to y'all sorry you're fucked and I talk out loud I mean the neighbors must think I'm absolutely cooked and I was sitting in the kitchen and I was like why 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 I have this amazing life I have an amazing 
caring, intelligent, gorgeous, successful, driven husband who worships the ground I walk on. I have three healthy, beautiful children who love me to death and who test me every day and push me to be a better human being. I have a gorgeous house that I live in. I drive a beautiful car. I myself have my health. I have an able body. I have a brain in my head. I have a career. What the fuck, Sheena? <laughs> like, what? And this is what everyone would say to me when I would say, oh, I'm not happy. I don't know why. I don't know what's missing. People are like, oh, my Jesus. Like, could you be more of a brat? And that's another word that came up a lot. My mom, I love you, mom. But every time I would try and open up to her, she would say to me, Sheena, you're being a brat now. Now you're being a brat. And again, it's that whole, oh, fuck, okay. Maybe I am supposed to just shut up and smile. And maybe this is all that life is about. And maybe I am just supposed to be a shell of a human being. And maybe I am just supposed to be grateful and appreciative for what I have and not want more, ask more, challenge life. So yeah, I was a brat. I was called a brat. I was called all these things. What are you doing? You're fucking up your life. You, you know, Zhuang's going to leave. Do you know what you have? Your life could be so much worse. These are, these are things that I heard constantly, constantly. When I would tell people I'm seeing a therapist, what do you have to complain about? Why are you seeing a therapist? Guys, if there's one thing that I can ask, if you've ever said something like that to someone, please, please, please don't. Please don't. It is such a dick thing to say. Because the one thing that I've learned through this is that you don't have a fucking clue what someone's going through. So if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything. Because that used to make me feel so cuck when people would be like, why are you seeing a therapist? Your life's perfect. <laughs> like, hello? Have you seen my life? Like, no, it's not. <laughs> my God. Anyway, wait, what was I talking about? Oh, yes, my car analogy. So I was sitting one night in the kitchen and I was talking to myself out loud and I was like, it's almost like someone wants to give you a Ferrari, right? So someone says to me, Sheena, here is this Ferrari. You can have it. It's your dream car. We know it's your dream car. You have been saying for years, all you want is this Ferrari. And once you get it, you will be happy. Well, you know what? We, here it is. Here's the Ferrari. No questions asked. You can take it. Take it. Go. Go. Take it. And I, I was like, no, I don't want it. And the person's like, no, you don't understand. You don't have to pay for it. You can have it. Like, just have it. Just all you have to do is get in it and drive it. Like, congratulations. Amazing. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> no thanks. Don't want it. And the next question is why? Why don't you want it? And I said to my therapist when I was re relaying the story, I said to her, because I'm going to crash it at some point. And I know that. And so I don't want it. And you know what? If I'm forced to have it, if I'm forced to get in it and drive it, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive that fucking Ferrari into a wall on my terms, 
when I know it's coming, when I'm ready, and when I can control the outcome. Because the last thing I want is to be enjoying my car, loving life, driving along blissfully unaware in my Ferrari, and someone comes out of the lane next to me and sideswipes me, and I have an accident, and I'm absolutely fucking devastated because I didn't see it coming. And I realized that I was trying to implode my life because I wanted to take back control. I wanted to control something because all I'd ever done was help fix, heal and save other people. And I'd completely lost touch with myself and had lost control of myself. And the only way that I felt that I could get that back was to fucking drive that Ferrari into a wall as fast as I could. And that's what I realized when I started my journey and when I started seeing my therapist. And I almost had my license revoked. No, I'm joking. I won't actually drive into a wall, just saying. You don't have to worry. But... That is my really heart-wrenching, horrible story. Sorry, now that y'all want to drive into a wall. Um, But I feel like it's important to give context and to give background. And that story might shock a lot of you because I do come across as light and bubbly and happy and carefree all the time, which, don't get me wrong, that is who I am as a person. But I do have demons and I do have baggage. And... I think I am the perfect example of do not fucking judge a book by its cover. Please, guys, don't be that dick. Please. Oh, why are you seeing a therapist? Like, I'll punch you in the face. Anyway, so that's my story. My God, now that that's out of the way. I cried a little, didn't I? Oh, how orkies. Anyway, so now to go on to what this all means. 45 minutes later. I promise you I'm going to I'm going to try and cut this off in an hour. I promise you. Mostly cuz my hips can't take any more than that. So, I watch a lot of podcasts, guys, a lot, and I read so many articles about this subject. And if you guys want to look into it, someone who has been through this and is so knowledgeable and sweet and funny, no, it's not me. It's someone else. His name is Mark Groves. You can find him on Instagram. And there is a lady by the name of Terry Cole, Terry with an I. And she herself is a high-functioning codependent. So high-functioning codependent, high-functioning meaning you are not depressed, you are not withdrawn, you are not letting people use you as a doormat, and you are introverted, and you you are allowing people to take advantage of you. I mean high-functioning as in, You are out there. You are in everyone's fucking business. You want to know everyone's shit. You want to help A, B, and C. You're on the phone constantly. I'll make your appointment. I'll do this. I'll do that. You hold down a job. You have a family. You're fit. You're healthy. You're this. You're that. But you are also a codependent. So you're like a fancy doormat instead of just a regular doormat. So that's what I am. And that's what Terry Cole was. And she's been in therapy for 32 years, y'all. She's been in therapy for as many years as I've been alive, which is fucking disturbing. But she is 
amazing, amazing. She explains high-functioning codependency as a codependent who, where it does not necessarily negatively affect your life goals and your aspirations, and it doesn't make you depressed or withdrawn. If anything, and I know people like this in my life, if anything, being codependent is your driving force that you use as your motivation and as your excuse to overachieve and to excel in every area of your life and to abandon your own values and to neglect yourself. That person who's like, oh, because I'm the breadwinner of this family or because I'm the boss of this company or because I'm the decision maker in my friend group, because my children depend on me. Those are high functioning codependents. And what happened to me and what happens to most codependent people is eventually you start to become very angry and very resentful because you become so fucking tired of looking after and caring for the people around you, even though they didn't ask. So you start getting angry with people. Like I started taking it out on my, my poor husband and he was like, what the fuck is going on? He was like, oh, babe, my vitamins are finished. Can you please phone the doctor? And I was like, you phone the fucking doctor. Don't you have a phone? And he was like, okay. You've been doing it for the last 12 years. I just figured. And I was like, well, you figured wrong. Like that poor man. Someone needs to give him a medal. Like, I don't know how he has not left me high and dry by now. Um... Another thing, and I, I love where she says that people use it as an excuse for their behavior, right? Well, I'm just being nice. I'm just helping people. How can that be wrong? And that's something that I also hear a lot. Co codependent just sounds like you're describing a really nice human who helps everyone. Like, how, how can that be wrong? You sound like you're butthurt about something. Like, you sound like you're just being a bitch, Guys, I've heard it all. I've literally heard it all. But the problem is you are sourcing your worth. Your own worth from taking care of other people. However, if you do that, and hear me out. If you do that, you can never take care of yourself. If you spend all your time taking care of other people because that is what makes you feel worthy... How are you ever going to take care of yourself? It is a pattern. It is a pattern. And hopefully by now, 50 minutes in, you guys, the, the cogs are maybe starting to turn here, right? Maybe a little? No? Fuck. Hope so. You have a pattern in your life. You connect love and self-sacrifice. You can only be a good mother if you sacrifice something of yourself and give it to your children. You can only be a good wife if you sacrifice something of yourself and give it to your husband. You can only be a good employee if you sacrifice something of yourself and give it to your job. This is how we were raised. This is what we were taught. And as I said, sometimes it serves you and sometimes people can go their whole lives being codependents and they're perfectly fine with it but the problem 
is that there is an inherent fear of confrontation. That even if you are in a situation where you are unhappy or uncomfortable, you place the feelings of the other person above your own. So you would rather not say something because you don't want to make someone else upset or uncomfortable. You will rather deal with being upset or uncomfortable yourself rather than make someone else upset or uncomfortable. For example, you've been dating someone for three months and you can tell that this person adores you. I mean, why wouldn't they? You're amazing. But you're like, mm, meh, I don't know. Like, I just don't see myself with this person. But, oh, but you can tell that they really love you and they really are happy. They are happy. And you're like, oh my God. Like, what do I do? I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to be the person to break their hearts. So you're like, okay, you know what I'll do instead? I'll stick around. You know, you know, we'll get married. We'll get married. We'll get married. And uh, you know what? Maybe we'll have some kids. You know, we'll throw some kids in there. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just take one for the team. I'll just carry this doubt and this, the sadness and but you know my husband's happy and oh now we've brought kids into the world and guess what now we're going to raise them to be codependent <laughs> so sweet oh, fucking nightmare so stop putting other people's feelings before your own that's what i'm saying if you're in a dead-end relationship that makes you miserable i don't give a flying fuck if you love the person i love a lot of things in life but it doesn't mean that if I'm unhappy with them, I'm not going to get rid of them. Love is not enough. And this is the lie that we have been told growing up. That all you need is love. There's a song. I'm not going to sing it, but there's a song. I so badly want to sing it, but I won't. All you need is love. No, no, no. Wrong is not all you need. If you're in a dead-end relationship that makes you feel lonely... If you're with someone where you have no intimacy, if you're with someone who verbally, emotionally, or physically abuses you, if you are staying with someone for the kids, if you're in a shitty job because you're worried the boss isn't going to find someone to replace you, if you are maintaining a friendship with someone who makes you feel like shit because she doesn't have any other friends and she needs me. I know one of those, at least one of those made you feel attacked. Y'all don't play with me. Don't fucking play with me. There, you, need to, you need to stop that shit. You need to stop it. Because that is codependent. Tolerance for prioritizing yourself. That is what you need to work on. You need to build a tolerance for prioritizing yourself. And I say tolerance. Tolerance is such a negative word. We use it so negatively. Oh, I tolerate you. I had a friend whose boyfriend said that to her. I tolerate you. I was like, what a dick thing to say. But anyway, it's not always a negative word. In this sense, it's positive. You need to start learning to tolerate prioritizing yourself. And it's hard, guys. It's hard it is so hard. I have tried and I've been called a brat or ungrateful or selfish or a number of things. 
But you cannot be a people pleaser for the rest of your life. You cannot, like someone said to me, oh, can't you just like keep quiet to keep the peace? Like that's what I was taught. Like always just, you know, keep the peace, maintain the peace, be the people pleaser. That is a skill that no one should fucking learn. And I have taught my kids already that if you are not happy with something, you verbalize it, you tell someone, you don't have to be rude about it. You can tell someone respectfully in a respectful way that you do not agree or you are not prepared to do something for them. You don't have to be a bitch about it. But people pleasing and quote unquote keeping the peace are two of the most retarded and antiquated things I've ever heard in my life. If there are two things that you never do going forward, keep the peace and people please. Okay, can we make a deal? Can we make a deal? Okay. And as much as this does extend to work and it extends to family and it extends to friendships, codependency will be most prominent in a relationship, in a romantic relationship. And I remember my husband and I had a very difficult conversation probably about a year ago when things between us were not great. And he said to me, but I need you. I need you. I will die if you leave me. I need you. And I, I almost, I, like I almost threw up because I was like, oh my God, this is my worst nightmare come true. What I saw happen with my mom, that my husband said to me, if you leave, I will die. I will drive into a wall. Like I cannot bear the thought of living in a world without you. I need you. And I left it at the time. And after the fact, I, we spoke about it. And I tried to explain to him where I was coming from. And he said to me, but isn't that what you want to hear? Isn't that what you want? To, for someone to, to say that they worship the ground you walk on and they adore you and they, they, they love you so much and they need you and they'll die without you. And I was like, fuck no. How dare you say that to me? How dare you put that on me? That I cannot leave tomorrow because I know in the back of my mind that you have said you will literally die without me. Someone saying they need you in a relationship is the absolute worst thing that they could possibly say. I said to him, I want you to want me, not need me. I want you to want to be with me. Because guess what? When you don't need someone, you choose someone. And that is way more romantic than I'm with you despite the fact that you're a raging asshole because I can't live without you. That's not romantic. That's like, oh, okay, you need me. I'm like oxygen and food. You need me. I don't have a romantic relationship with air. I just need it. If it left, I'd miss it. But I don't, it's not here because I choose it. And I said to him, I want you to choose me. I don't want you to need me. 
But again, that is a codependency. And I'll get into this, the different types of relationship styles that you have. I think the only reason that my husband and I survived this and we are as strong as we are today is because he is also a codependent. And so am I. A type of person that codependents find very frequently. Oh, and I'm going off script here. <laughs> Let's hope this works out. Is narcissists. Oh, narcissists and codependents are a match made in hell. Because all a codependent wants to do is make the other person happy, help the other person, fix the other person, love the other person, build up the other person, buy them gifts, make them feel loved, send them beautiful messages during the day, tell them a million times a day how gorgeous they are and how they're missing you and that's what a codependent does, because through that, the codependent feels self-worth and value in the relationship. A narcissist is the opposite. A narcissist couldn't give a flying fuck about you. A narcissist loves being cared for, doted on, loved, comforted, spoilt, complimented. Those two are such a toxic combination it is absolutely fucking frightening. And I'm not going to get into it too much because I have an entire podcast on toxic relationships and toxic relationship combinations. You get codependent and narcissist. You get anxious and avoidant, which is an anxious person will keep trying to close the space between two people and an avoidant person keeps trying to make more space and it's just this vicious horrible endless soul-destroying fucking cycle but we will get into all of that in that actual podcast so stay tuned for that one I think that is actually next week's one I'm not sure but the point is where to from here right so let's say you've listened to this hour oh my god of rambling if you're still with me I'm so proud of you and I hope you have as much wine as I do shut up this laptop anyway this is real life y'all where to from here this is where I was like okay so I've told everyone what's wrong with them now what now to try and fix it right so <laughs> you will choose people and situations and relationships over and over and over again that allow you to act out or fulfill your need for saving, fixing and fighting for people to feel self-worth and self-love unless you recognize the pattern. And patterns don't always have to make sense. Please don't misunderstand me. None of this makes sense. For a confident, beautiful, bright, intelligent, happy, young person to throw themselves into situations and relationships where they are used as a doormat doesn't make sense. In your mind, you're like, why the fuck would you do that to yourself? Why not tell that person to go and shove it and walk away? Patterns don't make sense all the time. It is a learned behavior. And that in itself, in and of itself, is actually a helpful tool. Because if there is something in your life that just doesn't add up, 
someone asks you about it and you can't explain why you do it. You can't explain the, the logic behind it. You just, you're like, I don't know. I don't know why I keep going back to the guy that abuses me. I don't know why I haven't quit the job that makes me fucking cry myself to sleep every night. I don't know. That's a pattern. That is a pattern. If there's something in your life that is inconsistent or that doesn't make sense, most of the time it is because it is a subconscious learned behavior that you will keep repeating until you break the cycle and fix the trauma or the pattern that is ingrained within you. This is something you can change, guys. Anything that you can learn, you can unlearn. But you want, you have to want to change. And you have to be aware. But being aware isn't enough. You can be aware that you're an asshole and just be like, oh, I'm an asshole and carry on. You need to be aware if this is something that pertains to you, if this is something that you do in your life, but you need to take action. You need to be done. You need to be done and you need to be ready to make an active change. And it might not even be obvious. You might be repeating a pattern and not even understand why you are doing it. But there is a secondary or less obvious gain most of the time from that behavior. Even if it is completely self-destructive behavior that only causes you harm and pain and misery, there is a reason that you keep going back. Even if you know and acknowledge that it is bad for you, you need to ask yourself in repeating this pattern, in continuing with this conduct, what do I get to not face, not feel, or not experience by staying in this pattern? Even if it's destructive, even if it's negative. Why do I keep going back on my diet? Why can I not give up smoking? Why do I keep DMing the guy that ignores me? Why do I keep having one night stands with guys on Tinder who just use me? There is a reason behind any pattern. This shit is not random, guys. This is what I'm trying to get across. It is not random. And the first thing that you need to do, once you realize where you need to make the changes, and once you start... You need to put boundaries in place. It's a very long road. It is. I'm nowhere near done. But it starts with self-awareness, knowing there's a problem and knowing what it is, and it starts with the setting of boundaries. Boundaries, guys, are probably the most important fucking thing in life. I cannot stress this enough. I had never even heard this word until about 12 months ago. But boundaries, health healthy, safe, thought-out boundaries that protect your self-worth and your values, your core values, are so important. I have an entire podcast on boundaries where I will explain what they are and unpack them. And I know the older generations, like they hear that word and they gag. 
it's like like this is a boundary for me and my mom was like oh my god what are you talking about like you open your mouth now and your therapist comes out and she meant it as an insult and I was like oh my god thank you I will have you near anyway Guys, boundaries are so important and so important to understand, not only for the boundaries that you put in place, but to recognize when someone else has put a boundary in place so that you are not the asshole who tries to cross it. So boundaries are so important in every relationship dynamic, work, friends, family, romantic relationships. I can't even tell you how important boundaries are. So we will get into that. But Understanding the behaviors, recognizing them as they are happening, as they are happening, and asking yourself why you are acting that way in that moment. That is so fundamentally important. And you need to strive to make small changes for the benefit of yourself, for no one else. And Guys, everyone has an element of codependency. And when you stick up for yourself, you are told that you are selfish, you are self-centered, you don't care about other people. I can tell you from experience that putting yourself first is the only way, the only sustainable way to live your life. Whether you have children or a husband or a wife, I don't care. I don't care. Self-love and self-prioritization, it's a word I was trying to get out, are not exclusively for the single. I hate to break it to you. It's not like, yes, put yourself first. Oh, unless you're married. Then, then you need to put your husband first. And oh, put yourself first unless you have kids. Then you need to put your kids first. No, guys, I hate this example, but I will use it because it is so appropriate. If you're in a plane and the oxygen masks drop, whose do you put on first? Your own. Because you will not be able to help anyone if you don't get yours on first and you die. You cannot fill from an empty cup, guys. So if you are a mom, if you are a wife, if you are a CEO, if you are a social worker, I don't care who you are and how many people you work with, you need to put yourself first. I know it's hard. I am still practicing, but I have stopped my self-destructive bullshit. So I'll take that as a win. Anyway. I'm going to wrap up now because my hip flexors have both seized and I am going to press stop and then call for my husband to come and unbend the pretzel that is my body. That is a visual that no one needed. Anyway, guys, I hope, I really hope that you have enjoyed listening to this if you're still with me. I hope that you have learned something about yourself and or about someone in your life. If you think that there is someone who could benefit from listening to this podcast, please share it with them. If you have any comments, any thoughts, any stories that you would like to share with me, please reach out. I'm sure you know more than one way that you can get hold of me. 
And until next time, guys, be brave, be messy, be real, and have an epic, epic day. <laughs>